And welcome back, Flyers fans, to another edition of High and Wide Radio. This is Full Circle. Yes, I know you haven't heard from us in quite a while. It's been a while. Not too, too much to talk about, considering I don't feel like talking about the playoffs anymore. We're ready to get on to speculation. We're ready to break down all the divisions, all the teams in the divisions, even the teams leaving our Metropolitan Division, or as it was this year, the Mass Mutual East. Joining us this week is Shannon Walsh of the Slapshot Sweethearts. We're going to talk some Boston Bruins hockey. Yes, they are going back to their old division. However, they are a perennial thorn in our side as always. Shannon, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's always fun. Yes, it is. Let's get it. Been trying to do this for a while now. It's finally here. It's finally happening. Um, Steve, Steve is with us as always as well. Steve, uh, what's going on here at uh, Little Edge of the World? Not a whole lot, man. Just uh, grinding away over here. Um, getting ready for the off season. We got a expansion draft fast approaching. NHL draft, free agency. Uh, put this miserable season behind us and hopefully on to something better. Yes, and as a Flyers fan, things are looking great. Seth Jones already spurned <laughs> us, it seems. So um, we'll uh, we'll talk about that on a different show. So uh, a trade did go down today. Before we get into the Bruins, I wanted your guys' thoughts. Um, it was it was a trade we had talked about before. I still don't understand it for the Oilers, but they acquire uh, three time. You know, let me get the full deal for you before I shoot from the hip here, make a mistake. Uh, three time Stanley Cup winner Duncan Keith. For I believe it's Seth Jones' brother. Is it Caleb Jones? Yep. Ah, and a a, a draft pick. I think it's a third. Um, yep. So Steve, I'll start with you right off the back. What did you think of this deal? There was a lot of talk that Keith was maybe on his way to Seattle. I know he was kind of looking to go back home to the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I, I like the deal for the Oilers. I mean, does it make sense to give up on a young guy and a draft pick for an aging? declining Duncan Keith maybe not but you saw what this team was in the playoffs you get swept out uh, of the first round by the Winnipeg Jets and it just seems like something's missing you bring in Tyson Barry he leads D-men in points he doesn't get a single vote for the Norris so I think they they know that whoever they put back there is going to produce points but they they really need that veteran presence Um, and I think this is that that time where they've got to make a decision on what they're near term and their future is going to be. And to me, this is a move to solidify a back end that has caused them nightmares for years. You got Clefbaum coming back next year from shoulder surgery. So I I think it's a good savvy move by them. Caleb Jones may be giving up a little too early, but it's hard to get a player of Duncan Keith's caliber and your window with Dreitzeidel and and McDavid is only going to be so big. So kudos to them for at least making a splash, something I know we wish the Flyers would do. Um, time will tell, and maybe Duncan Keith gets a little rejuvenated here playing for uh, uh, with those guys, but I can't hate on the deal. I think it's something they really needed to do, and a guy with his pedigree is hard to hard to find in an offseason. So I, I think it was a good move on their end. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure which direction you were going to go with that. I didn't see them doing any... The Blackhawks, which honestly feels like a favor here. Uh, But before I go, Shannon, your thoughts on the trade? Yeah, I mean, I agree that the Oilers needed to do something. I don't know that this was the move that's going to, you know, fix all their problems. I think the Blackhawks had a great deal in, you know, dumping Duncan Keith's contract and not having to retain any of it. Obviously, getting Caleb Jones is great if they want to make a play in the Seth Jones race. Um, I did see also today after the trade that, 
they're linked to Mark Andre Fleury rumors, which is interesting. I don't know that that is going to help the Blackhawks. I think Kevin Lankinen did really well for them this year. I don't know that they need to get a veteran like Mark Andre Fleury right now, but again, this has been like the Duncan Keith trade, a really interesting offseason to start so far. Some of these trades don't necessarily make sense to me, but if they play out, they play out. So we'll see. Yeah, all good points all around. And uh, uh, Duncan Keith has uh, two years left at five and a half million each year. It's not as bad as I thought it was when I looked it up last year. He did play 54 games, four goals, 11 assists, 15 points. As a defenseman, definitely has that winning pedigree, which I know the Oilers haven't had really in anybody. Um, so definitely an interesting deal. I guess I'm a little salty with Caleb Jones there. It's just another destination besides besides Dallas and Colorado that uh, Seth Jones can go and how badly we need him here. Um, so let's, let's get, let's get into the Bruins. Um, this team for the Flyers fans, Brewers fans, they always seem to bump heads. And even to the, when you have Keith Jones and, um, what's his name? Your guy, they'll even bump heads live on air when he was still oh, on Milbury. Air. Mike Milbury, My- like they even, <laughs> they'll take shots at each other on air. The Flyers, Bruins, but it, but really, like they're very similar teams. Like I, I don't really dislike the Bruins. Maybe if they were in my division, it'd be different. But I think the players, for the most part, throughout the history of the league, have had like you know admiration for each other. And um, I've never really disliked the Bruins. Never really cheered for them to to lose. Um, so I, but they do kick our ass from time to time. A lot, at least a lot more so recently. Uh, some of our biggest issues this season were with the Bruins. They were the first sign that we saw that we had issues here in Philly. Um, and as you guys, you got the perfection line. you got a lot going on. You're a very good team. Uh, fell to the Islanders, who were really the only team that made Tampa, you know, <laughs> almost broke that broke that team up. They came down to a goal. And I, I had you guys beat pick to beat the Islanders. So um, a lot going on there. Boston Bruins protected cap hit. For 21-22 is 51.51 million and change, which leaves you roughly 30 million in space. Some key unrestricted free agents are Taylor Hall, David Krejci, Sean Curley, uh, Kevin Miller, Jared Turini, Tuka Rask, and Halak. Uh, some pending RFAs are Ricci, Kashe, and Brandon Carlo. Uh, Shannon, real quick, just your thoughts on how the season went for you. And we'll just take it from there. Yeah, so obviously the season didn't end the way I wanted it to. However, uh, the Islanders, like you say about the Bruins, the Islanders have been a thorn in my Boston Bruin fan side for a couple years now. They really grind my gears, so uh, I won't miss playing them for the next few months. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it was a good season. They played well. I'm not particularly surprised at how it ended up. The Bruins had, like you said, a lot of key pieces. The perfection line is going to be great for another couple of years, I hope. Um, and it, they're a young team, excluding Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci. They are a really young team, and I think that that's going to be a detriment to them until they can get one or two older guys to really build around. Like, Charlie McAvoy is supposed to be the basis of their blue line right now. He's 23. Like, you can't, you can't expect him to lead all of these young guys when Zidane Chara was doing it last year. So, I mean, again, I'm not completely surprised. I'm frustrated obviously that you know it ended the way that it did but there's a ton of potential going into this offseason the Bruins have one of the highest slots of money to work with in this offseason with the cap not going up 
there are teams like Tampa that are already in negative dollars. Like, you know, there's a, there's a lot that the Bruins can do that other teams can't. And although they do have guys like Taylor Hall and David Krejci that they're going to need to sign, I think that there's a lot of room for them to play in this trade market and in this free agency market. So of the pending UFAs I named, and I almost jumped the gun a little too early, so I wanted to get your thoughts first, but who do you realistically see they're just cutting ties with? Halak, 100%. He's retiring. Right. Um, I mean, they the must-signs for me are Krejci and Hall. The, re- the rest of them, I mean, I want them, but I don't see it as like a, a die. Um, I think... Cassidy and Sweeney see Tuka Rask as a, a live-or-die signing. I tend to disagree with some Bruins fans who think we have to re-sign Tuka Rask just because we have Dan Bladar and Jeremy Swayman in Providence right now, and they both have shown promise. And they're both, well, Swayman's 23 or 24, but Bladar's about to turn 26. So, I mean, he doesn't have a ton of NHL experience, but he does have playing experience at the professional level. So I don't think it's something that people think, oh, you know, it's just this young guy fresh out of college. He's been playing up and down and at the AHL level for a couple of years now. Um, Tuka Rask is also going to be out with an injury until at least February. So I think signing him, one, is going to be a waste of money when you've already got the cap that you have to deal with. And two, they're going to play these two goaltenders and then Rask is going to come in and one of them is going to lose their job, whether they deserve it or not just because of his pedigree. So I think that's something that's going to be frustrating and difficult to deal with in the goaltending room in a few months. You mentioned the Rask injury. And I think if I recall, Jack and I kind of brought this up when it came out that it was, he was hurt. I think it came out like right before game six, yeah. uh, maybe right after. Did you think Swayman should have started that game personally? 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, was- that's what I said. I, I think a healthy Swayman, look, uh, Tuka Rask is an unbelievable goalie, but if you're playing with a torn labrum in your hip, I can't imagine how painful that is from a, it just walking around standpoint, let alone playing goaltender in the NHL playoffs. So I, I thought it was a bad move by the coaching staff, but it, well, and Tuka Rask had been pulled in game five. He was pulled right, in game exactly. five. Then Cassidy said he's hurt, but he'll probably start. I'm like, well, why, why is he starting if he's hurt? Just put your other goaltender in. Like it's, it's live or die here. I mean, I don't know why you're relying on one, a guy who's hurt and two, a guy that does not play well when he's under pressure in those situations. He's a great consistent goaltender in the regular season, but as soon as someone gets in his head, he's done. Like he's, he's not good. And with Swayman, you almost came back and won, I think it was game five. Yeah. And I just thought it was an interesting decision. Rask, he gets clout for being a vet, but I think that's where a coach has to step in and say, I think Swayman gives us a better chance to win tonight. Yeah, 100%. And here's one more for Rask, because I think as an outside market, we hear some of it. Philly, were overly critical of our, our players. Um I hear the noise, but I'm wondering from a a Bruins fan standpoint, do you think Rask is, he gets unfairly criticized? Do you think it's fair? Where where do you see that? Because from an outside perspective, it it seems like he is maybe underappreciated, but granted, we're generally watching him through the eyes of the Atlantic and see him more in the playoffs than in the regular season. But I'd love your take on that. Oh yeah, he does get overly criticized. I admit all the time that I do... you know, the, he'll let a goal in and it's probably not his fault, but I 100% blame him when it's probably the 20-year-old on the blue line's fault. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, there are a lot of times, though, that he deserves it and 
Bruins fans just automatically assume it's the guy in net. And particularly after the bubble situation where he left and a lot of people thought he hung his team out high and dry, he's always been the bud of criticism that he didn't necessarily deserve. And it's been a, a point of contention in Bruins fans for years because there's the Rask lovers and the Rask haters and you got to pick a side. Like, it's, it's dumb that you have to pick a side, but you pretty much do. You can't just, you know, be wishy-washy on the Tuka Rask situation as if he's not a Vesna winning goaltender, right? Like, right. you shouldn't need to choose. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's interesting. And being in Philly, the Philly market, trust me, we have enough of those debates going around to probably last a lifetime. But it's uh, it's it's an interesting dynamic. I'll say that for sure. All right. Yeah, so what, we, we, we can feel that here with Carter Hart. Just this past <laughs> I was going to say you're particularly it's, critical of your goal. Yeah, it's on Carter Hart. Maybe it's that 20 year old defenseman who shouldn't have pinched. No, it's on Carter Hart. Yeah, we dealt with a lot of that this year. Or, or Eric Gustafson or oh, Justin oh Braun God. or Robert oh, Hag. I mean, <laughs> how much time you got? <laughs> All right, so what are your thoughts on the Bruins team? You're moving back to the Atlantic Division. There's some big-time teams in there, and not to mention the Stanley, two-time Stanley Cup champion and back-to-back Tampa Bay uh, Lightning. What do you see for them in the short term and the long term moving back there? Are, are they still the big, bad Bruins that we know, or are, is this team young? They're in like a pseudo-retool. You've got a lot of cap, cap to spend. Where do you see this team? Yeah, so, I mean – the divisions are going to be key, right? A lot of people forget that the two teams that just played in the cup final are from the Atlantic division. So like, that's not going to be great going back and seeing when on one of our live streams, we broke down looking at the old divisions, how many from each made it. And the Atlantic had the most, um, which is, you know, not great when you look at what the Bruins are working with right now. I think that the off season is really going to be the key, right? If they just stick with what they have and they go back into a division, that's going to be marginally more competitive. They're not going to do well it's going to be really difficult for them to be successful. But if they work with that $30 million, they don't sign Taylor Hall for too much, which they could potentially do. They don't waste money on some of these younger guys that haven't proven themselves yet. And they really look at both the trade market and the free agency market and say, we have quite a bit of money to work with. Look at your holes strategically, which are on the latter end of the blue line and the latter end bottom six of our forwards and figure out you don't need to keep retooling with the second line. It's fine. <laughs> like if you've re-signed Taylor Hall and David Krejci, you're fine. And they really focus on what we need for cheap in the bottom six and the bottom of the blue line. I think they'll be, they'll be fine. They just need to really be strategic. Now you mentioned Swayman and uh, Vladar coming in goal. Um, they seem to be the future, uh, maybe Swayman more so than Vladar just because of his age. Um, what other prospects are out there that we, we should be keeping an eye on as, as the year goes on? Yeah. So, I mean, part of the problem is that a lot of them have been going up and down this season because uh, Bruce Cassidy loves to line tinker. And when he doesn't know who he wants to put in, in the bottom, he moves people around. So, uh, Yerho Vakaninen is supposed to be uh, up and coming. He's young, but he, he was streaky. Uh, on the blue line this season I think he's only like 20 I don't like I don't blame the kid Um, and one of the other big points from a prospect perspective is that the Providence Bruins coach actually just took a job as an assistant coach in Seattle so from the prospect pool situation and pulling people up and down it's going to be a new situation of um, developing those young guys that the Bruins haven't had to deal with for a while because Jay Leach has been there for years so all right. Yeah, I, I've heard Vakaninen's name. I've heard numerous times. So I was kind of looking for him to 
to take a step forward. It sounds like he might be a good candidate to fill in in that defensive role next year. It, it's it's tough. Young guys, they just it takes them a little bit to hit their stride on defense. So, like you said, you can't really blame the guy if he's well. And it's hard when there's no vet there. to work with them. Right. Line, right. Like yep. there's no Chara and Krug aren't there anymore to work with these young guys from Providence. So they've got to work with each other. And if there's no chemistry there, then there's no chemistry there. What do you think of Charlie stepping into that kind of number one role? It just he he was kind of protected by Krug and Chara for a little bit. I mean, he was always a, a top tier player, but stepping into that bona fide number one, what do you think of his season this year? He did a great job. Uh, I thought he got a little bit snubbed for a Norris Trophy nomination. When you look at the st- statistics, uh, especially when Hedman got nominated, like the the Tampa Bay Lightning are just running the show right now. But you know, I. McAvoy did more than we could have asked for. It was a little frustrating seeing Carlo not step up a little bit more. But again, you can't ask for these guys to turn into Zidane Ochara. Like, it's not going to happen. So Bruins fans are a little spoiled when they look at what they've had on defense. And now looking at these young guys, it's hard to trust them when they haven't, you know, solidified themselves as true stars yet. And, you know, McAvoy has done that. And I hope that he'll stay with the Bruins for a long time. We actually interviewed uh, Dale Arnold, who hosts the Bruins on Nesson. And he said that as long as the Bruins can keep McAvoy, he thinks that he has captainship material after Bergeron, which is really exciting. Wow, that's a that's a big endorsement for a, a young guy. But jeez, did you did you want them to keep Krug, or were you okay with letting him walk, seeing yeah, what he got? Yeah, I wanted them to keep Krug, and it's really frustrating seeing how St. Louis has used him because obviously his statistics have gone significantly down, and I don't think it's a lack of production. I mean, it's probably a little bit, but I think it's just the way that St. Louis is using him. They're not using him on the power play, which is when he's the most successful. Um, they're not using him in those types of uh, man-down situations. And so, I mean, he's clearly low on points. I think St. Louis does need to do just some general roster retooling. They overpaid him, so I don't want his contract back. <laughs> but, I mean, we'll see. I don't think he's going to stay there because the duration of his contract. Yeah, I don't really see that either, and I'm, I'm with you. I think they uh, mis, misutilized him, I guess would be the right word. It, it it felt like he was in a perfect fit in Boston the way he was playing, and St. Louis just tried to remake remake him or just use him in a different role, and it didn't seem to click. So I'm with you. I don't know that he stays there for the entirety of the contract, but it, it was a bit of an overpayment. Hey, can't, can't fault a guy for taking money. Right. I mean, he's not in the wrong there. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, there is a prospect I wanted to ask you about. I We brought it up last time we spoke, and um, it's always intrigued me because of how good some of the players in that draft were. But uh, the 2015 draft for the Bruins, we've seen Zaboro, we've seen DeBrusque. How about the third guy there, uh, Zachary Senshin? Senshine? What's how do you pronounce it? Senshin, yeah. So he was the one that I believe was rated to be a late second rounder who went in that three pick. Uh, How has his protection been so far? It is a miracle that Don Sweeney didn't lose his job after that draft, Uh, (laughs) especially seeing how good Matt Barzal is now. Mm -hmm. Um, not he's not good, but he's not bad. I mean, I, I think he's probably got like a year or two left before his like prospect hopes are gone. But there's oh, wow. so many guys like that right now. The Bruins are not good at drafting in the first round. Like David Pasternak is a miracle because they don't have they are successful on late tra- trade deadline, like weird pickups like Charlie McAvoy, guys like that. They don't do well at drafting young guys. And then they've got a million like maybe prospects going between Providence and Boston. It's funny that you say that because I pulled up like your eight um 
top prospects just trying to see because I'm a big draft guy, see who I like recognize. And obviously the two goalies are on there. Um, other than that, there's not like that one guy who really jumps out there is like, look out for this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we missing anybody that, you know, maybe Jack Studnika, who was a uh, second round pick, like you said, not the first round pick, even going back to how Boston built their team, Bergeron and um, other players of that nature were not first round picks. No, they were Martian like, was a fourth round pick. Marsh, that's what I was trying to think of Martian. Yeah. Like these guys were not top picks on that guy. So, I mean. Are you worried at all that they can't replenish and that's why they got to resign Hall? They got to keep Krejci around longer? Yeah, I mean, there's always a risk in sports of, you know, drafting these guys and then them not turning into anything, right? So Boston has just had really poor luck. Granted, the 2015 draft was their own fault, but they, they've had poor luck with drafting as of late. And I think, again, going back to Providence losing their head coach, that's going to be a huge hit to them because they lean pretty heavily into developing these prospects so that they can come up versus them just getting natural talent. They, they have not had that recently, again, besides David Pasternak, who was not a lottery pick. So when you look at how the development is going to go for these players, Boston is going to have to really make some sort of strategic move to try to fill in that gap. And one of the things, I don't know if he's retiring or not, but one of the things that Boston fans really want to see is Chara to come into a coaching role if he doesn't re-sign with another team because he had such a heavy impact both on the roster, but also from a development perspective. That's the reason that Charlie McAvoy was able to jump into a leadership role and a production role so quickly at only 23 and put an A on his sweater in at least half the games. He's shared it with Krejci, I think. Um, But at any rate, I think that he would have a really big, obviously I'm a fan just by the name. I love Zidane Chara, but from a development perspective, he knows what the Boston needs. He knows these guys because he's played with them for, you know, however many years. And he's one of the kindest people that has ever gone through the organization. So I think that he would be a huge, huge, you know, support now that they've lost their head coach down in Providence from, you know, salvaging some of these drafts. That's interesting. I'm curious how your offseason is going to go. It sounds like you're going to do everything you can to retain everybody, including Hall, outside of the goaltending because you have two guys uh, going into free agency. And we will touch on the crack in here. But do you think because they're two young guys, Swayman looked good in his short time, but he's still young. Uh, do you think they uh, add another goaltender who has some you know, years, uh, not necessarily – anybody who's going to push to start, but somebody who can play the tough minutes when it, they need to. I mean, as much as I don't want them to resign to Garask, I know they're going to. <laughs> they, <laughs> Unless he wants to retire, there's no way that they do not resign him because they just have so much loyalty to him. It's mm-hmm. the reason he started in game six also. So, I mean, I, I don't see them not resigning him unless he doesn't want it. If they, if he didn't want to, they might consider bringing in a veteran just on a year deal to get, Vladar and Swayman on their feet but I again I think it's probably going to be Rask okay now I mean that makes more sense why not keep him it sounds like he's he's going to resign what a year or retire and then does yeah, it sound like pretty much only like, got a year left it's not a skill or like an age situation it's like a he's pretty much over it situation and like <laughs> wow. when is he going to retire um he doesn't like he's I think he's only 34 so like he could keep going for another couple of years but he's just not like he doesn't have the passion anymore, which is you know, not great what you want to say about your goaltender, but he doesn't, right. uh, he's never said like, I'm really excited to keep going. Like he said, I am close to retirement. <laughs> so yeah, he's got a foot out the door already. It sounds right. like that's that stuff. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, outside of keeping the core together, you do have some money to work with. What's your first need when you're looking at free agency um, or trade? Uh, is there any players being linked to Boston besides guys who need to be resigned? Yeah, um, we need a bottom six forward pretty badly. We did not have, I think, in the playoffs in our bottom line, there was one goal in the entirety of our playoff run. So that is not going to be, you know, <laughs> something we can maintain going into next season. There's a lot of rumors around since Tarasenko just requested a trade. Some people are interested in him. I he's he's 29. He didn't have a lot of productivity in the last year. I I don't think it's a lack of skill. I think it's probably just his shelf life in. St. Louis is up, probably similar to Krug, you know, like it's just not a good fit. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't hate it. I don't want his cap hit, but if St. Louis will retain some of it, we'll see. Um, another one that is actually pretty controversial. I ran a poll on our Twitter yesterday or the day before for Bruins fans, and it got like over 500 votes because people are so wrapped up in it. But Milan Lucic is uh, rumored to be bought out by Calgary. Either that or go to Seattle. Mm-hmm. It's going to be one of the two. And so a lot of Bruins fans want him to come back to Boston and fill out one of the bottom roles because Bruins fans are so nostalgic that they can't think of anyone on the market that would be better than Milan Lucic to fill out the bottom six. He's not that productive in a skill role anymore, and we don't really need an enforcer anymore. Like, that's not the way that the game has been played the last couple of years. So they want, like, the big bad Bruins that it used to be with Sean Thornton and Milan Lucic and Nathan Horton. And I don't think that it is going to you know, be the same that it would have been. And I don't think he's going to necessarily solve the bottom six productivity issue. We'll see. I think he's probably going to go to Seattle, but I don't know. Those are the two that I see consistently, like every four tweets on Twitter. So Jack, Jack does that sound familiar at all? Uh, Nostalgic yeah. for an old guy like that? Oh my God. I know that's Train. a problem as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wayne Simmons gets brought. I mean, he obviously resigned, but he always gets brought up with us on a bigger bottom forward. You know, he used to be something, and I wouldn't have delegated it, but I know in the back of my mind, it's like, yeah, we got to do something different. Like, we can't be bringing around the same things over and over. And that's why, hopefully, fingers crossed, Ward checks out of here soon. So you can have him if you like. Um, oh, yeah, I saw it today any... that he's pretty much out the door. Like, the two yeah, the guys agreed, like, it's not happening. <laughs> I hate to take credit for things, but I have to start doing it. <laughs> Because somebody took a trade offer I shot from the hip two weeks ago, and now there's an article. No credit. So uh, Don't hurt yourself, Pat. I've been saying since Pat what? Back. February, March? Yeah, it's Jake been a while. got to go. It's a culture thing of the locker room. He's oh, yeah. Eight and a quarter million dollars per year for, what, four more years? Like, like he can't – we just can't. It's got got to get out of here. we got to get more bang for a buck. we got to reallocate that money. And for the most part, nobody's really said anything. And as we get closer and closer to Seattle, the options became, oh, it's definitely JVR. Then it was, it's JVR, or maybe if they give them something, Voracek. Now it's to the point where him and Fletcher have apparently had a conversation, and they both agree they need a change of scenery. And we got our our main host, Jimmy, who I believe you've met, is breaking down reports from the Czech Republic that are essentially Voracek telling his homeland – like, yeah, I'm probably going to get traded. <laughs> like, it's 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 amazing. So, yeah, and a lot of people that we uh, – we had a Belly Up podcast with, like, eight different people, and I said that off air about getting Vorchek out of here, and they were, like, surprised. They were like, really? You want to get rid of Vorchek? And I was like, yeah. You know what? 
Uh, yeah, it's, it's his captain is I, insane, I, and like you said, the the locker room chemistry is a really significant issue. It's just like Tarasenko. Like when it, it's not not as I mean, I guess for Voracek it's a little bit of a skill thing, but like it's not always a skill thing. It's like if your shelf life is up in, in a in a team, you just gotta accept it and go somewhere else before your like value just completely plummets. And especially with his cap hit, Philly's got to do something before they get stuck with it for another year and are absolutely screwed. Yeah, if, if his cap hits five, it might be a different story. But like at eight and a quarter, that it, it gets and to Giroux be a And Giroux is burden. like eight and a half, isn't he too? Yeah, like, yeah. One more year. One more I year. Mean, I'll take I'll take that. You know, because it's like he still produced a little bit, and he would like tie games late. Like he still cared. Forcheck for spurts could look like he was really good, but for the most part, he was making mistakes, turning over the puck. You have somebody who's a lifeline time fan of his be like oh 65 points I'm like but he gives back like another 25 like points can be deceptive you know and i look at like the locker room like i remember travis connectney scores his first career hat trick you know what everybody remembers for that night him going off on sealski like that that's the same night when he was like he starts cursing up a storm f-bomb this f-bomb that it's like and he went out for the for the bubble he left the bubble pissed off half the team and all that it's like man like, allegedly, I got to say it, allegedly. 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 I don't want to get in trouble, you know, I get canceled over here. But, like, yeah, I didn't mean to go off on a flyer's uh, right there, but whenever the, his thought gets brought up, I tend to tend to lose my cookies a little bit. So um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there anybody – you said bottom four, we talked about goaltending. Uh, how about defense? I mean, a lot of people were hating on Grizzly. I don't think that was really his fault once McAvoy got taken out of the game. I actually thought he was pretty solid throughout the year. Um, and you added somebody at the trade deadline. I can't remember his name, but I remember he played pretty well. Steve, you got me on this one? Mike Riley from Ottawa. Yeah, he played pretty well for you guys. It was yeah. a lower-end pickup. Um, is he around for another year? I didn't. I don't think he was on the... Uh, he's UFA. Oh, is oh, Yeah, no, so Lazar is still around. They, yeah. We got Chris yep. Lazar and Mike Riley. And Lazar is the... Okay. Um, so, I mean, yeah, we do need defense. <laughs> we need a couple different things. So we'll see. Um, I mean, the problem is I don't want them to overpay for defense just because they they didn't find, you know, those perfect matches that were like Chara and uh, McAvoy like they had the year prior. I think that they definitely need to solidify at least one, especially because they're. I don't think they should, they might, re-sign Kevin Miller. The guy is made of glass. Like, he is so injury-prone he good for him for coming back. He missed an entire season due to injury and he came back, but he also missed half of this season because he was hurt. He's not, he's a liability both contractually and on the ice. I mean, he's just past his prime and it's not worth Boston to keep him around, even though he's a veteran. So, I mean, I think there's more that they could do with that money. Again, with the cap, not going up, you need to really be strategic with who you're paying. Well, if he, if they don't resign him, he'll probably retire. So, I mean, it's going to be one of those, again, they're so loyal that they might waste the money just being loyal and not being a business person, but we'll see. I mean, yes, they do need defense, but I haven't heard nearly as much on the market of who's available besides Seth Jones, and they're not winning that lottery. So, well, they have, might have more of a chance than Philly does at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, so that they're really not connected with any, uh, even if it's anything like uh, Adam Larson or uh, da- uh, David Savard, any no names like that or anything. I haven't heard any from the blue line. It's all been bottom six forwards, which is not great, but I mean, we'll see. I, I think a lot of it's going to depend on who Seattle takes from us. If they take someone from the bottom six or if they take a, a blue liner, 
So, I mean, I also don't necessarily trust who Boston's going to protect or not protect. There's a lot of question marks there as well. No, that's perfect, because that was going to be one of the next things I wanted to ask you. What what do you think happens in the expansion draft? Is is there someone you want them to take? Is there someone you don't want them to take? Where, where are you kind of looking at that? Because we have two targets that we said if if they get taken, fine, we'll, we'll, we'll shed the salary. But for Boston, it looks like it's a little bit of a more interesting uh, yeah, there's discussion. A, so I saw Curtis Lazar's name on one graphic, and I thought that was dumb. I don't think that he's like – if we're trying to shed – either money or bad prospects. He's not a name I want to lose. Um, I saw a lot of people want Jake DeBrus to go. I think that is not the best pick because I think that he still has trade value to someone. And I think losing him for nothing is probably a waste, even though he does cost more if we can't move him on the trade market. Um, Nick Ritchie and Trent Frederick have both been rumored a lot as well. It's pretty much like we can keep one and not the other because they're pretty similar players. I think we can keep both. Um, I think, again, there are other people that we can probably lose. I'd prefer them to pick from the blue line, but I don't think they're going to. I don't think that there are enough established prospects that the Bruins will leave unprotected. So it'll probably be either Zaboral, Frederick, or Richie, I would say. Interesting. Uh, Frederick wasn't a name I had really thought of uh, in – he seemed like more of a tough guy. He brought some energy. I, I could see that's him being a good because he does bring energy yeah. to the ice. And, and that's one of the things I really thought the Flyers were sorely missing this year was you don't need a, a to goon it up or anything like that, but a guy that just goes out there, skates like his hair's on fire, and makes things happen. Yeah, um, doesn't have to be the most skilled in the world, but it's it's just that little element that I think it adds a lot to a team, and, and that's a pretty good name. I hadn't really considered him because I, I thought he was a little bit more of a bottom bottom type forward. I, I was looking more at like Lazone or Clifton, but I think that could be a name to watch. Well, yeah, and the I mean that's the problem with a lot of Bruins fans, right? Is that they want a David Pasternak on every single line, and that's just not going to happen. <laughs> like there's value that Nick Ritchie and Trent Frederick bring. That you, it's the same reason they want Milan Lucic. Like it's con, it's contradictory. Like why would you give one up? to then pay old Milan Lucic to do the same thing that he's probably not going to be able to do as well because the other guy is 25 and he's nearing retirement age. Like it, it's so contradictory. Nostalgia. That's, it gets him every time. <laughs> There's one name I wanted to bring up. We kind of went, went past him and he was someone I followed probably more through fantasy purposes than anything. And then he kind of fell off of the face of the earth it was Andre Kasha I know the Bruins uh, traded for him last year. I didn't really hear much from him this year. Was he was he injured? What, he was what's kind of going on? Season. Yeah. He okay, was that's what I thought. He came back for like a game. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's what I'm thinking of. And it sucks because he had a ton of potential. He was supposed to actually make a pretty big splash when the Bruins had a lot of risk in young guys. Mm-hmm. And he, I think it was a concussion early on, and then it was something else. And so I go on a couple of Bruins podcasts pretty frequently during the season – and they were all like, I feel bad for the guy, but also probably retire. Like, you've had so many concussions that, like, I don't know if it's worth coming back and risking it again because the guy's injury prone. It's the same thing with Kevin Miller, but he's younger. Yep. Yep. He was he was a guy I always watched in, in Anaheim, and I thought he was a solid player. I thought it was a great pickup. But then he just – nothing ever happened. And I, I think you're right. He might be at the point where – you just kind of have to move on and it, with your career and and do something else because it doesn't seem like it's going to get any better. Yeah, and I, after that many injuries, you know, your your ability to contribute is just diminished in a lot of players. So, I mean, 
you can try to prolong it, but also he's definitely not the same player that he was a year, a year and a half ago. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's it, it's kind of a shame, and we we have the lesser Kasha, but um, I was I was interested to see what he would do there, especially if, if he got an opportunity to play with maybe like a um, David Krejci on the second line, maybe move up top power play time, but it just never came to fruition. It's kind of kind of a shame for that kid. Yeah, and he was supposed to play with Krejci before we signed or before we traded for Taylor Hall. Excuse me, he was supposed to take that second line role. And that's why we had so many gaps on the second line for a while is because they had no backup plan for when he got hurt. Yep. Yep. And we see in the playoffs depth, it means pretty much everything you can get there with top two lines, but if you don't have a third and a fourth, you're, you're not going to go very far. Right. Or you can be 18 million over the salary cap and do it that (laughs) way. You can just sit your best players until the playoffs and see what happens. I mean, that's also a testament to Tampa to be that good, but right. I guess it's a good question. What'd you think of that? now that you're back in the Tampa's uh, I just, division. I, I mean, I can't stand them. Like, they drive me insane. But I also am obviously a Patriots fan, so I have a vendetta against Tampa as a uh. sports city to begin with. But, I mean, I, I didn't like them. I was like, when the Islanders knocked us out, I was like, I don't want to root for either of these teams. Like, we were I still doing either. live streams for all the games. I'm like, I hate this. <laughs> like, I hate this. <laughs> I didn't want to root for Montreal either. Like, I'm a Bruins fan. I'm not supposed to like Montreal. And yep. there was literally no good option to enjoy because – the Bruins haven't had the rivalry with Montreal that they used to in years. So like historically I don't like them, but I also didn't have the like fiery hatred for them that I do Tampa because we play them all the time. We play them in the playoffs all the time. We play the same way we do Toronto. And then you see Kucherov and Stamkos who've been sitting out forever running this playoffs. <laughs> and it's like, it can, you, you know, you can't help but be pissed off. Like it's so frustrating. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I hear you. I mean, look, they, they played within the rules, but that doesn't necessarily make it right. And right. They, everybody talked about Kutrov. He missed the whole season. He led the playoffs in points, but he also wasn't banged up for the whole season. He was skating. I mean, yeah, you can't simulate the playoffs in practice, but he's probably the healthiest guy on the ice. So let's let's put a call a spade a spade here and, and see what they did. But right. Uh, maybe I, I think it'll come back to bite them. I, I think they're going to have a lot of tough decisions to make, but well, yeah, like I said, they're already over the salary. Cap, yeah. So they've got which a is, lot of work to do. Yeah. Which is pretty tough to do going in the off season. So at least, well, at somebody's, least somebody's going to get hurt and go out for the next uh, <laughs> seven to eight months. And they're, they're scheduled their surgery date for the day right before the regular season starts. Yeah. I think Kutra has uh, got a hangnail. He needs to get taken care of. So he'll just sit out. I can't wait yeah. to see it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you got a lot of people out there they're saying like it's such a tired uh thought to think that oh they're 18 million dollars over the cap uh, and i'm like i can't stand that like come on like you said steve call a spade a spade it is what yeah. it is they did what they did lightning i had no problem when they were like yeah it, we did it it's in it, it's within the rules i just wish they would have stopped talking you know it's and then they were just like go ahead it's not like it's three or four million dollars. Like eighteen million dollars in hockey is literally three second line players. Like that is yeah. not a small number. That's well, just mean, about the perfection line if you look at their salaries. Right? I mean, like, that's not a small number. You can sign John Tavares and a good, good second liner for eighteen million. <laughs> this way I broke it down. Like I'm like two players worth nine million dollars. They're both probably superstars on a team. Like that's insane. And that's essentially who came back for them. And I, I get it, but I don't make me like it. I'll just – I'll stay quiet, whatever. But now I'm like – how I feel, I guess some people are saying. So other people are like, oh, it's so tired. Don't don't say that. They're a very talented team. Whatever. 
Like, <laughs> you can't make They're me talented. like this. They still are over the cap. The two yeah, are. Yeah, it doesn't change it. <laughs> and, and a lot of it is, like, our fault of other teams not not uh, signing anybody to a, um, oh, Jesus. Uh, offer what sheet. What you call it? Offer sheet. Like, because they're afraid of, you know, that whole thing. And that's so dumb. Like, like come on. Like, now we all sit back and watch as they just, just I mean, except for the Islanders, they just ran through the playoffs. And uh, I'm trying to like Kucherov because he's funny and he's doing a lot of funny stuff. But I'm just like, I, you're such a late addition to the, to the, <laughs> the season this year. It's like the guy, the, I don't know if you watch wrestling, but like the guy comes out 30th in the Royal Rumble and he throws out two guys and wins. It's like, I don't know, it just it feels silly. And I'm just like, whatever, you won. You won, go away. You know, it's not it's quite on the level of the Astros, obviously. But, you know, you can't make me like it either, so. A little bitch fest there. I'm sure you hate it more than we do, like you said, because they're it's be us like watching the Penguins and Rangers in the Stan, Stanley Cup. Right. Shannon had a lot worse than us. Oh. So I mean, we'll get back on track here. Is there <laughs> is there anybody the Kraken could take for you that would surprise you in the sense that it would be a good thing, or could you see Boston? It might not work with your team the way it does ours but they would give a pick to make sure that they took a certain player. Or are you just at the point where they're taking somebody I don't want to lose? And it yeah, is really it's good. like there's no one that I'm like they must take. There's Like I said, there's a lot of Bruins fans that really think they need to take Jake DeBrusque, and I, I am of the opinion that he still has trade value. So I don't necessarily think that he's like a must. I think he's a must-go in the offseason, but I don't think it's a must-go to Seattle. There's some people – again, we have so many – like. Eh, prospects that like I don't care which one they take <laughs> we'll see <laughs> but I I fear because we had this problem when Riley Smith went to Vegas I liked him and he went and now he's fantastic and I fear that <laughs> Seattle will take someone that's like an eh prospect and then they'll absolutely bloom and blossom in the West Division and that'll be that and I will you know have to just deal over here watching my the rest of my eh prospects still be bad. Oh, man, this expansion draft. It's so funny because it's different for everybody. Like, we are like, this is the best thing ever. We need to get rid of money. We need to get rid of board check. I'll give you a first-round pick. Just whatever. Just get rid of it. <laughs> you know, and other teams are, like, going to get screwed. Like, the first time around, the Ducks got screwed. Chase Theodore is a hell of a defenseman. You know, and it's just like, man, at least we're not in that spot. But um, Well, there are I, teams, like we said, like Tampa – the Islanders, Toronto, there are so many teams that have so much depth that one, they can't afford it anymore, but two, they can't protect them all from Seattle. Like you got to give someone up. So I think Seattle is going to have a really good expansion draft for a couple teams that really stacked themselves and now we're going to get screwed. Yeah, yeah. Especially in a flat cap era where dollars are so important to these teams. If, if they can make a couple of side deals, pick a couple of big contracts, they they might come out of the gate and compete. I don't know if we're going to see quite what happened with Vegas, just because I think they really took advantage of the situation. They were kind of playing chess with everybody else playing checkers. But I think Seattle is going to have a pretty good crop of players to pick from. Yeah. What do you guys think of the coaching hire for Seattle as Flyers? Uh, yeah. I don't get it at all. Like, uh, I mean, listen, a lot of people say in the in the boys club of the coaches and whatnot that he's a respected guy. This is a results-based business, and I know he didn't have the best players here in Philly. Some of the decisions he made completely baffled me. He benched – how about his last game with, with Philly? He benches Oscar Lindblom for the coke addict. 
Like, <laughs> I, I couldn't. I'm like, that's Hackstall being Hackstall right to the very end. I honestly think there were times he did not know the NHL rules. You know, <laughs> we, we had a, a two goal lead. We get it scored on, but there's an offside challenge. And there's like two minutes left in the game. Don't challenge it because if you're wrong, you're going to go on the penalty kill. And now they're looking at time unless you're 100% sure. He challenges it. They lose the challenge. They get scored on immediately because our PK was horrible then. We lose in a shootout. It's like uh, if you just knew the rules, you probably could have just buckled down and at 5-on-5 shut the game out. And I just his could never start an optimal lineup. He just didn't know how to do it. He had Andrew McDonald out in the, the most important, important, important situations in games. And I would literally watch the guy, like almost like his his legs just went numb and he just would fall. <laughs> like he didn't slip, he didn't get hit, there was not a divot in the ice, he just collapsed. And I'm I'm like, I, I don't I just why is this your guy? But then you're putting all the young kids up in the box who really aren't making bad mistakes. I mean Ghostwood, but like some of the other guys not really. And then you got this clown out there doing his thing. And he would start Van Vedelde and he would start Dale Weiss and these guys in like key situations. I'm like, I get it. They're making money. They're on the roster. But like, come on, man. So, you know, that and the fact that Seattle talked to um, Tockett three times. There was other <laughs> names out there. And I didn't even know Hacksaw was in the run. I was no like, one did. I had there other names on the market. And I, I had kept saying that I thought this was such a key opportunity for Seattle to hire a niche coach because they get to build around their coaching style. And yep. then they picked a guy that has no coaching style. <laughs> <laughs> Uninspiring <laughs> is the best word I could put for it. Like, they're just going to pick the most random guys that have nothing in common. No, He is in charge of building an entire locker room chemistry because there's going to be no chemistry between any of these guys. And he has no, like, no personality, no consistency. Like... He's also, and a lot of people have said this, like, well, he's supposed to be good with the young kids. And I'm like, that's so funny. We said the same thing when we hired him. All the young kids regressed. All of them. Ghost yes, was did. in the box after his top season. You know, Limblom wasn't Limblom. And so Sandheim, you know, the only guy who was good was Jake Vorchek. So he can take him. Take him. Please. <laughs> Please. Yeah, I'll never, I'll never wrap my head around that one. I know, guys. It's probably gonna. It was gonna happen. It's gonna be like a Gabe Kapler situation here in Philly. We fire the guy, and now they're tied for like the most wins in baseball with the you know the Giants. They'll, they'll win despite their manager, just because it's us. Um, I don't. Yeah, I honestly don't get it. Um, I thought like a Luke Richardson. If you want to talk about a niche coach, they could build around him with all the hype he's getting right now. Um, yeah, I, I I struggle to come to terms with it. Did Rick Tockett want like $10 million a year or something? I mean, you openly interview a guy three times like that and you don't hire him. It's almost like a slap in the face at that point. So uh, it's it's very strange. And he, Rick Tockett has had success in the NHL. And Phoenix isn't exactly a team that just churns out, turns out the top talent. And they have a pretty top-heavy division out there that uh, they almost they almost made a playoff run. Well, made the playoffs, I'll say it, not a run. Um so, yeah, I'm just baffled by that one. So, got me there. Um, yeah, that one that one didn't make much sense, but we'll see. Yeah, ultimately. Um, so, yeah, I'll, you said you uh, the Bruins, they're like a, more of a younger team with a little mixture of some older guys. So, would you say that the window, depending on who you add and how guys like Swayman really work out, because we have seen goalies been flashing the pans and not quite work out, 
do you see them their window is just starting to open back up and they've had a pretty good playoff run as it is now however that is a very tough division out there um are they like resigning everybody in one major move away from competing or do you think they're still growing or where are you at with everything yeah, it's a good question because at the beginning of last season, I thought the window was closing actually because of Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci and those guys. Even Craig Smith is older. Um, but with the acquisition of Taylor Hall, with the way that Brad Marchand's playing, it was his best season yet, even though he's in his early to mid 30s. Um, I do think that if they can re sign everyone, they've got one really good offseason splash and make some consistency out of these younger guys, I think that they can contend pretty easily. I I mean, it's really going to depend on how they fill out the bottom six. And I think that they can do that pretty well with both the trade value that they have and the salary cap space. But Don Sweeney cannot screw up once. (laughs) The guy (laughs) has had some really great moves and some really bad ones. And I think the window is going to close in terms of how Patrice Bergeron is aging and David Krejci's aging if they are not able to really get some consistency in the next year or two. And if if you're bringing back Taylor Hall, what's, what's a number you're comfortable with? I, I guess years and number. He's 29. I, I believe he'll be 30 going into the season. Where, where do you think is a number you're okay with bringing him back at? And what's a number you want to just walk away? So I have been hearing obscene numbers, like seven, and I Ooh. would rather, like, I, oh. that is most, like, two, three years, four million is, like, fine for me. But people are like, there's no way he's taking less than five. And I'm like, where, he, no, he's not going to get more money anywhere else. And if he goes to another team, he's going to look like he has zero consistency anywhere. Like, his roster, or not his roster, his resume, excuse me, does not look great right now. So, there's no way, even though he had a good burst of goals for the beginning of the playoffs and then it completely tailed off, there's no way he's going to go to another team and be like, pay me $5 million, $6 million, and they're going to be like, yeah, no problem. No problem at all. Like, no. It's the Bruins or bust. He's basically got to take whatever they give him. Yeah, that that's kind of why I asked, because I, I heard kind of the similar numbers, and uh, that just sounded awful. He's <laughs> I, I think he's more... Look, he's still a skilled player, but to me, he's more of a name than he is an impactful player anymore. I think three at four would be about as good as you could get, especially slotting him in on the second line. If you can bring that Krejci, I think that would be ideal. But once you start to creep above five for him, I I, I think I'm washing my hands and saying I'm out. I I just don't think he's worth that. And I think as he's gotten older, I, I think he's just gotten a step slower and it's just like I said, I think he's more of an attractive piece as in name value only. I mean, Brad Marchand only makes five million. Like, why would I pay Taylor Hall more than five million? That's a great yeah, point too. A good contract deal right there, man. Wow, I didn't know that. It's an old contract. It's like a like an eight year deal, I think. See, now we had two of those happen with uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and the guy from Minnesota. Oh, Eric Sinek, yeah. Eric Sinek. Like, I mean, this is that's a situation where that deal really pans out. You know, like it really helps you in the long term. And I was I don't know if you guys have anybody up for that. We kind of do. I don't see it happening though. But yeah, that, that's a good example of guys that you lock up when they're somewhat young and uh they really blossom and turn into stud players. Like that's great. Um so it does sound like that Hall and Krejci are coming back and maybe we're just waiting for the expansion draft so you don't have to be protected. Is it kind of like 
hush hush wait and see or is there a legitimate concern that either of these guys could go elsewhere Hall, perhaps. Krejci, no. I don't think Krejci will go anywhere. He's played with Boston his entire career. Um, it's not one of those, like, I'll go make more money elsewhere. Um, he's in his, I think he's 33 or 34, so it's not, he's not going to go and, like, try to contend anywhere else. He's won with Boston already. Um, so, I mean, maybe Hall, but Hall also said in their post-playoff, like, media day that he would take less money to stay in Boston because he was looking for a good culture fit after you know the couple teams that he's played with so i think that's promising um when there are teams like toronto like slithering around saying that they're interested (laughs) in him it pisses me off but you know whatever toronto's going to do to make another desperate run out of the first round we'll see (laughs) yeah i i don't see how he fits there i think that that's one of those you can say it but i don't see a fit with toronto with him i think to me boston is the ideal home for him um both financially and culture and on ice fit. Uh, I just think that makes the most sense for both sides. Uh, Taylor Hall is, he's just not what I think he thinks he is. Uh, the, the one year deal he got this year was really just because Buffalo had the cap space. But I think if you're Boston, you say, here's your, here's the offer, take it or leave it. And you, you move on if it goes too high. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, he, he's wanted to play for Boston for a long time when he, when he was drafted with uh, T- Tyler Sagan and Sagan went to Boston, and then mm-hmm. it obviously didn't pan out, and Hall was like, well, I could have been there. And, you know, look like look where we are now. I mean, he's he's happy to be here. He had really great chemistry, chemistry excuse me, with the team. So, I mean, hopefully it'll pan out. I don't want to overpay for him. I think he understands that every team's in a bad salary cap situation, and, again, Boston has some of the be- best space out of any team. So it, like, he's going to get the best money here, unless Toronto magically comes up with money. But, like, I don't think they have a lot. No, how could they? I mean, uh, and whatever they got's got to go on goaltending or defense or somewhere. <laughs> or both. Yeah, yeah, or both exactly. I, the team always jumped out to me is Calgary just because he's from there and he had talked so long. And I, I actually thought we thought for a while that Buffalo was like a holding ground until Calgary came up with cap space. But if he's coming out and saying that stuff about Boston, I think it's a foregone conclusion at this point. It's just a matter of finding that right number. I think uh, talks would really have to deteriorate for it to go elsewhere. Um, so that's good. That's good for us, I guess. Wonderful. Um, so, I mean, we talked about the draft a little bit, or previous drafts, I should say. It doesn't sound like Boston fans are too interested in the first round. Uh, is there any names being linked to Boston? Anybody you you like, or does it even matter at this point? There was a guy. I I don't follow the draft a ton just because I have like PTSD at this point. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> there was a guy I saw on Twitter that people were like very concerned about because it was like, oh, Don Sweeney's gonna screw this up again, and I don't remember his name. It was like Carson something. Um, but. It was like seeds. I don't remember, but it was like everyone saw that there was, I don't think it was Pierre LeBrun, but it was like an insider out of Boston that was like, oh, Don Sweeney is like linked to this guy. And everyone was like, are you freaking kidding me right now? (laughs) It's like you're just wasting picks. Like it's a very uh, Sweeney pick is what you're saying. And they don't, you don't necessarily think, okay. So we deal with with DeBrusque or something like get value for the pick at least. So we, we deal with that a lot. There was a player in 20 – Jesus, um, I think it might have been the 2015 draft. We just keep coming back to this draft. Whoever Florida took, he was a bigger um, bigger guy, you know, 
hits all that and that's just everybody associates philly with that and they're like they're taking him and i was like no this is hextall we're not taking him i promise you we're not and sure enough the guy was invited to the draft he fell into like out of the top 10 or something like that so i I feel your pain on that one um yeah i don't see any carson so i guess sounds like the real money gets hit in the second round anyway do you can you see them moving that pick to just in some kind of trade it doesn't sound like they've been linked to anybody though um, well, so they were linked to Tarasenko a bit. Apparently they called about him. Um, so, I mean, we'll see if they're able to pull something with Tarasenko. I, I don't know if he's like the best fit, but like, again, I don't know a ton about the trade options right now because everyone's waiting until after the expansion draft to, you know, float anything around besides Duncan Keith and obviously Seth Jones and, uh jack eichel because they've all requested trades there's not a ton of like rumors on teams shopping players at the moment yeah that's true that's actually a good point see the flyers and here in flyerland we're involved in anybody and everything and that's why (laughs) it feels like rumors are plentiful here but you're right yeah until the protection lists are out and see we know what seattle's doing it's hard to say uh one way or another so coming up on an hour here so i do have one last question i like to ask and i may have asked you this before however um so I always get our rivals' opinions about our team, and I just want the unfiltered, be honest with us. You're an outsider looking here in Philly. You know how bad our past season was. Take everything into consideration. How effed are we? <laughs> so I, I'm dating a Philly fan, so I do oh, I frequently have that. to uh, contend with this problem. Um, <laughs> and I don't think it's as severe as it it seems to be depending on again what you guys can do for your blue line in the offseason. I do not think that Carter Hart is washed. I think that there is hope there. He's what only 23, 22. He's very young. Um, I think if this season he is also horrible, then you might have an issue. But if you guys are able to dump Voracek's contract and use that cap space for either a blue liner or another good what Voracek should have been forward producer. I don't, I don't think you're that far off, especially because a lot of the guys that you – or guys being teams that you guys had to consistently play are going back over the Atlantic division, and who you're playing this season is going to completely change. You were playing in the hardest division in the restructure. So, I mean, I think that's going to bode really well for you guys. I, the optimism was great. It sounds like you were talking to your boyfriend, and he was really upset. He doesn't even <laughs> follow the Flyers right now because he's like they're bad, and I'm like you're an Eagles fan. They're bad. They're worse. <laughs> like, yeah, that that they are. Oh, man. Yeah, maybe it's because they had one recently, and here in Flyerland, I mean, the last time we had a competitive season, yes, last year was pretty good with the bubble and all that, but when were we really like from start to finish an actual good team? And I have to go all the way back to like you know uh, what 2012. That's what how many years away now? Like nine yeah. coming up on a decade. <laughs> like, wow, that's that's bad. But I appreciate you being. Um, uh, I know you came on our show, so you're probably like, I better be nice here. So I, I do, I do appreciate the optimism. Oh, no, I always my co-host is a Penguins fan, and I always torch her. So like, <laughs> uh, you're great. I love that. That's yeah, amazing. I do too. That's great. Keep that up. Oh my God, how did that? How did you those two get together like that? Uh, Boston and Pitt, huh? So we went to undergrad together, and we were both really into hockey. Actually, two of my best friends that follow hockey are both Penguins fans, so I pick my hockey friends poorly there. But but uh, we 
started hosting the show and she actually doesn't have a huge issue with Boston. And I don't have a, a massive issue with the Penguins. I just love to call out their flaws because they don't think they have any. So <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever get, maybe, maybe you can get her on for me. I need a Penguins perspective. Uh, <laughs> and I have a hard time opening that conversation because <laughs> I just can't stand um, But that's another conversation for another day. So before we sign off, Shannon, first off, thank you so much for coming on. Finally got it together. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you want to plug before we let you go? Yeah, so check out uh, my show, Slapshot Sweethearts. I know I mentioned it. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. YouTube is where we post most of our episodes. Um, just search Slapshot Sweethearts and we'll pop right up. We've got a ton of fun content coming for the off season. We're hoping to do a recap preview throughout the off season for every team. So that should be fun. Uh, obviously the expansion draft is next week, so that'll be really exciting. Um, and collaborating with our other belly up hockey shows throughout the off season. So thanks again for having me. It's always fun. Yeah. That's thanks right. for coming this on belly up collab for sure. So yes, thank you again so much for, for uh, coming on and where could they catch you on Twitter? Yeah. So it's, uh, S Sweethearts Pod, um, just like Slapshot Sweethearts, and on Instagram it's just Slapshot Sweethearts, and for me it's uh, S Walshy 63. So Brad Marchand's number and my name. <laughs> Beautiful. See, I'd make fun because my Twitter handle is just HW in my name, but my screen name and email for like the last 22 years has been Leclerc and then my birthday. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't, I can't talk. Um, all right. That's great. And with that, we're going to sign off here, guys. Please remember to check out our main so show with myself, Jimmy and Kyle, the sheriff with Sean McMorrow and Kyle, our HW website at hwhockey.net. We are on the full press coverage app. And as stated earlier, belly up sports. We have a high and wide YouTube channel, HW on the fly and the, Recently, in case you missed it, there was actually a show going live right now with Jimmy and Rush Joy. So if you couldn't catch it live, go back and check that out. And other than that, we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for joining us.